used to bartend at this hole-in-the-wall dive bar down in South Boston back in the mid-2000s. The kind of rusty, run-down little shithole with rust-weeping nails that you'll only find in spitting distance from any of the wharfs and harbors of the world. On a slow day once a week and twice on pay weeks, give or take, a drunkard by the name of Barnum would drop in, lay three twenties on the counter, and yammer these fucking stories at me until his money ran out or his ass fell off the stool, or both. Most of his stories were the typical meandering ramblings of a barfly. This bitch thought she was too good and that IRS always trying to fuck me. Stuff like that. But he always put back enough cheap whiskey for a scotch horse and he tipped well. And per drink. So until and unless he became completely incoherent, he had my ear most nights. One night though, the jaundiced little fucker told a story that I had to give him some credit for. One that chilled me got to me a little bit, and it's the only one I remember these days. It was a Wednesday, something like that, probably four in the afternoon, and Barnum had to have been on his fourth daily pour, convalescing his cashews in his fingers. He always asked me for a bowl of these salted fucking cashews we had, and he turns to me, ready to yammer the hours away. Hey Chuck, he started, same as always calling at me far too loudly for the distance apart we'd be. I got a good one for you, if you'll like a good story. And so I nodded politely, as I always did, and walked over to hear his slurred nonsense for the day. And here's what Barnum the Barfly told me, to the best of my recollection. You know I used to be a medic in the Coast Guard back when I still lived in Miami, he began. I told you about that, right Chuck? Yeah, I must have. Anyways, back in 84, they had me doing chopper rescues out at sea. Some poor fuckers would get their fishing boats out in storms or nasty ship fires or the like, and they'd fly us out to put people in those little baskets and haul them up into the chopper to rescue them. Hero shit, you know? We'd be out in the wind and rain and shit, getting tossed and everything, but we were friggin' badasses back then, you know? Anyways, this one day, we were out on a search and rescue looking for this big fancy yacht. Some bigwig hedge fund zillionaire and his family had gone and gotten lost and hadn't shown up in Bimini when they were supposed to, and we couldn't get him on the radio. They'd been missing for about three days, and we were told the yacht was pretty massive, like one with a crew and butlers and shit. So we were looking out for a big old son of a bitch, maybe banged up on a sandbar. But instead, we see this life raft, a big orange polygon type, like you saw in that Tom Hanks movie with the volleyball. And we can see that there's this guy in it, as well as a dog. Chocolate lab it looked like when we got the chopper down low and could see him close. So we send one of our guys, Richie, down there in the basket and he pulls the guy up and we load him on our stretcher. Kid was probably 25, sunbaked to shit and damn near passed out. But as Richie turns to go back down for the dog, the kid sits up in the gurney like goddamn Frankenstein and grabs Rich's arm. Damn near popped his shoulder out, Richie told me, and starts just begging us to leave the dog, just pleading with me and Richie in this rambling sort of way. It'll kill you, he told us, and we figured maybe it became rabid out there on their trip or something. I don't really know, but the guy was sunbaked like a fucking tomato, and the chopper was running low on gas. 
So he left that dog in the raft and decided to gas back up and come back later for it. And let me tell you, Chuck, after listening to what this guy told me when we got back into our ship, I'm glad we did it that way. Listen to this. So the guy passed out on the flight back and back in the med bay on the Coast Guard cutter, he sits back up like he had done earlier, scaring me half to shit again and starts asking about that fucking dog. So I told him we left it out in the life raft and we are planning to head back out to find it. And he says to me, do not bring that fucking thing back here. So I asked him if he'd been on board this yacht we'd been looking for. The Sunfarer, I think was the name of the ship. And he says, yeah, he'd been a deckhand. So I asked him where the ship was. The million dollar question after all. And he gives me this blank stare. Says he needs some time to think. And I was beginning to think he'd gotten caught fucking the yacht owner's wife or something. And then killed them or some shit. But I decided to play it cool. So I shrugged and told him it'd be about four hours sail back to Miami and that he ought to get his story straight before then, seeing that the authorities would most likely want to question the hell out of him on shore. And I told him that he had an easy ear with me if he cared to try to explain. And I think he really wanted to tell somebody. So he lays it on to me over the next four hours. And let me tell you, Chuck, what he said had my fucking neck hairs on end. By this point, a few of the other bargoers had gathered around me and Barnum the little fucker was spinning what was turning out to be an intriguing little story, and he didn't even notice he was beginning to draw a crowd. I could tell it would only get more interesting from there because his cashew fingers came a twirling as he continued the story, wide-eyed. So the deckhand tells me they'd been about a week out of Rome, headed for Bimini, and they came up on a lifeboat, has some ship's name that the kid couldn't remember painted on the side, but he said it had an Indian sound to it, and lo and behold, there was nobody inside of it except this dog, the chocolate lab. So the hedge fund family is thrilled with this dog, like the grandkids are just in love with the thing, playing fetch with it and this and that, and they don't really question it, you know? People love dogs, I guess. But the whole situation just struck the deckhand as kind of weird, he told me. And he didn't like that dog one bit. He said the dog had a collar, and that the collar said the dog's name was Tugboat. Now here's where it really gets weird. You ready, Chuck? The yacht's crew quarters were on the very lowest level, guess the rich pricks saved the money views for themselves. And the night after they found this dog, this deckhand begins to hear a fucking knocking coming from beyond the hull of the boat, like something out in the sea. He said it kind of sounded like when the yacht was in port and would bob up against the dock, but heavier, almost like somebody was lightly tapping the outside of the hull with a baseball bat. So the kid tries to go about his work over the next few days, but he kept hearing the same weird shit coming from outside the hull at night. And he tells me it got worse each night, up until one night, when everyone on the ship is launched out of their fucking beds at like three in the morning. They all head out onto the sun deck to see just what the hell was going on. And the captain comes around, tells everyone that one of the ship's propellers threw a blade, and the resulting vibration messed up the power generator. Tells everyone not to worry, and that they've activated the distress beacon and would wait for assistance. Barnum had barely touched his drink. I couldn't believe my goddamn eyes when I saw his nearly full glass, and the whole bar had gone fucking silent as he leaned into the story. Chuck, the Coast Guard never actually picked up that distress beacon, which makes this part even fucking creepier. So the kid tells me he goes back to his quarters to pass the time, and he hears the knocking sound again. He said it sounded like something was trying to gnaw the other prop off, or that's what he'd thought anyway. But he said the whole ship would rock with each knock. He told me that's when he became really panicked, kind of like the fight or flight caveman shit, and he booked it over to where they kept the emergency life rafts in duffel bags. As he's walking with one back to his room along the outdoor deck, the ship lurches to one side and he gets thrown into the water. The life raft automatically inflated when it hit the seawater. That's how those rafts work. 
and the kid pulls himself inside it, still all dazed and coughing. And as he turns to the ship, he watches as the whole fucking yacht was pulled underwater in less than a second flat. The huge whirlpool the ship made when it went down in the drink sucked the life raft in, and the kid said he blacked out at that point. So this kid wakes up the next morning in the raft, and there's that fucking dog sitting in the raft with him, the only other survivor, bone dry and tail a wagon. So then, Chuck, this kid pauses his story and he looks right fucking at me and asks, in a trembling voice, if I've ever heard of an anglerfish. They're those goblin-looking fucks that live only in the darkest, deepest oceans, and they hunt in this curious manner. They have a long sort of antenna-like thing coming out of their heads, and it has this little glowing ball on the end, and they sit perfectly still in the darkness of the deep ocean, with this little glowing ball stuck way out far in front of them, and they wait. Some unsuspecting little fish comes along and sees the pretty glowing orb come out of the total darkness and goes to check it out. And then wham! The little fucker becomes codfish kebab and the anglerfish gets another meal. Which leads me to the final rub of this story, Chuck. See, unbeknownst to me at this time, Richie and the rest of the chopper crew had left without me. Back out to find that fucking dog, Tugboat. Chopper ended up disappearing in a storm, or so we all heard a few days later. Never did see those boys again. On that Wednesday afternoon, midway through only his fourth drink, Barnum the Barfly stood up from his stool, nodded sadly and soberly to himself, and walked out of the bar without another word. <laughs>